All right, everybody, welcome to Talking Taker, episode number 22. We appreciate you joining us today on our exploration, digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time. Uh, my name is Alex Dorio. I am one half of the Creatures of the Night, here for another round of Dead Man Talking, and I am joined by my tag team partner, as I am every single Friday or late Thursday night, if you're a subscriber, uh, my man... Travis White. Travis, my friend, uh, I think word of our podcast is spreading over to uh, the people at New Japan Professional Wrestling. Oh, yeah? Yeah. How so? I mean, I watched uh, Wrestle Kingdom uh, this past week, and I saw Okada busting out a couple of Tombstone Piledrivers on there, so I figured that must have been <laughs> a, a, a nod to us. He must be telling us he's a big fan of the podcast and of the, and of the Dead true. Man. True, and the Young Bucks did a Meltzer driver, so that's a tombstone as well. Very so. true, very true. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, guys, for the shout out. Yeah, we appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. uh, that was an incredible show, absolutely, no doubt, top to bottom. Uh, gonna be hard to beat that for the best wrestling card of the year, uh, unless you know the Undertaker decides to come out of retirement and, and make an appearance at this year's WrestleMania. The speculation continuing to grow as we. Wait to see what he's going to do at Raw 25th anniversary. I'm sure we're going to cover that here uh, in the next week or two once we find out what's going on with that. Any uh, any more speculation on your end, what we might see from the Undertaker? Um, I hope if he comes out that the crowd just chants, rest in peace, meaning his career. Just let it rest in peace. Just let it be done. You know, you've done enough. No need to do anything else. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm pulling for a Hall of Fame announcement. I yeah. think that would be the best case scenario for everybody involved. But you know, the rumor mill's going. Everybody's thinking a John Cena match is in the works yet again. And you know, we'll see. We'll see. We'll talk about that when it when it actually goes down. Because we've got a ton to talk about today. Absolutely. Um, our next episode is here, episode 22. We're entering in uh, an interesting phase of the Undertaker's career uh, over the next six months or so what well, it's all interesting we hope it's all interesting we think it's interesting and we appreciate all the fans out there for listening but you know this period is you know we've seen one sort of uh, triple threat feud building the past few months with diesel bret hart undertaker all intertwined with each other and now we're going to enter another very different sort of triple threat feud as the undertaker gets mixed in with two brand new characters sort of uh, in gold dust and mankind these three guys are going to be intertwined with each other going back and forth with each other through the next uh, five or six pay-per-views or so and we're going to kick it off today with our breakdown of undertaker versus gold dust in a casket match at in your house number seven i think this is number six six or seven yeah I think it's seven. Seven, yeah. Uh, in your house, number seven. Beware of dog. Uh, this so, is the first one is actually subnamed Beware of Dog. The other ones they renamed, like they named them all afterward, like Rage in the Cage and stuff like that. Yeah. And they named them afterward. But this is the first one that's actually in your house and then it has a title. Beware. So that's a little evolution in the um, WWF. Uh, I don't know history here. <laughs> in the history books. Yep. Yeah. And. Uh, I just think this is such an uh, such a unique time uh, and su- really such an important time actually in the history of the WWF because you've really got in Undertaker, Mankind, and Goldust, uh, and we're going to talk about Mankind's debut here in just a minute uh, as we run down the the build up to this match and and Goldust's role. But I just want to talk for a second just about those characters themselves. I mean, you've got arguably the three most iconic characters in WWF history. Uh, And I mean characters, uh, not necessarily wrestlers. I mean, obviously you're going to throw Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Ric Flair, John Cena, guys like that in there. The Rock, Stone Cold. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But all those guys, I mean, sure, they are characters in a sense. They're not their actual personas, but they're guys with real names, I guess. They're guys that are out there. They have personalities but they're not just over the top comic book like characters uh right in undertaker mankind and gold dust you've got that other page of wrestling where you have over the top characters uh almost like superheroes and supervillains uh you could gold dust and mankind could easily be like man or uh, 
Goldust and Mankind could easily be like Batman or Superman villains in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. Undertaker, we've talked many times about how he's a, a superhero type character as well. And there's been so many of those throughout the years. And these three guys, and you could really even... I guess n- number four you can mix in there would be Kane, who we're going to get to right. here uh, in a little while. But so many of these characters have flopped and failed over the years, and we've seen a few of them uh, along the way already. We'll, we'll see some more of them as well. But these three guys kind of show what can happen when the right guy gets matched with the right character. And, and, and when that guy goes all out and t- has total commitment to their character, you get... Undertaker, you get Mankind, you get Goldust. Somebody who can take that ridiculousness and make it believable, make it entertaining, and make it uh, legendary. Because Goldust, still on the main roster of the WWE, 20, yeah. 22 years after this pay-per-view. Yeah, he's on 205 Live now, so he <laughs> yeah. lost a few pounds, I guess. How about but that? No, man, I agree with everything you just said. You know, um, those of you who know the dirt sheet stuff, I mean, or you listen to other podcasts, you know, from guys that are actually there, you know that Mankind uh, is, um, well, Mick Foley was somebody that, that, you know, they're looking for uh, another feud for Undertaker after the Diesel chapter is over, and uh, JR is pushing for Mick Foley to come in, and Vince McMahon apparently just keeps saying no over and over again, and uh, I don't know if the Mankind character was first, or Mick Foley was, I don't know which came first, Chicken or the Egg, I don't remember, Uh, but they do bring him in, and no one could have done that character like, like we said in the first few episodes of talking taker no one could embody the undertaker better than mark calloway no one could do mankind like mick foley does and he gives everything to it i mean he's even shaving part of his head you know he's pulling his hair out i mean he's giving everything he's a he's a method actor you know here um and yeah we'll continue talking about him for the next several episodes but we do see his debut before um this particular pay-per-view match takes place and yeah uh, go same thing with Goldust. That Goldust character, uh, Bruce Pritchard just did a podcast all about it, and um, it's fascinating to hear just how much uh, Dustin Runnels was willing to go and even get implants for it, you know? So Yeah, I, and I recommend everybody go out of your way if you don't already listen to Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard and Conrad Thompson. Go listen to the, the Goldust episode. A lot of great insight on there, and... Obviously, those guys, or, or Bruce was there. Uh, Conrad wasn't, but Bruce was, and so he'll give you all the inside scoop. And, you know, we're never promising and never have promised to give you any inside scoop. We're giving you our analysis, the fans' perspective of, of one superstar's career and all the different careers he interacted with. So uh, that something to wrestle with is obviously a great compliment to us, uh, and, and it's great timing as that episode just came out a couple weeks ago as we get into the Gold Dust character. Uh, and we're covering Mankind here as well, like like Travis just mentioned. Um, and, you know, we're seeing, uh, to borrow a phrase from WCW, we're seeing, like, the new blood rising here in the WWF. Mm. Uh, <laughs> uh, from the golden era of WCW, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, 1995, which we just finished covering, is kind of like the bottoming out of the WWF in a lot of ways. I mean, I feel like that's... Sure. Uh, definitely to this point it's the worst year that we've covered and so many just bad characters and bad matches bad pay-per-views in there and 1996 we're seeing the rebuilding so we're seeing new characters like Mankind and Goldust come into play we're seeing guys like Diesel like like Razor Ramon like 123Kid all leaving the company and we're seeing Bret Hart taking that long extended break after Wrestlemania as well so they're being forced to filter in this new blood and it all kind of begins at the Raw after Wrestlemania 12 on April 1st 1996 in the very first match on the show you've got Mankind debuting after months of really really spectacular Vignettes, some of the best uh, intro vignettes we've ever seen in the WWF, debuting against uh, Bob Sparkplug Holly, who, <laughs> of all people, would have just one of the longest runs we've ever seen in the WWF. I mean, he was there for, gosh, uh, nearly 15 years, I guess, probably once it was uh, all uh, all played out. But Mankind, like you said, he's he's totally committed, like nothing we've ever seen before, and just decimates Bob Holly here in this debut match. Coming down. Weighing 287 pounds, Mankind! Not a pretty sight. Look at this. What's gonna happen when Mankind hits the ring? What can we expect? 
What about that mug, McMahon? Woo! I heard he tried to enter an ugly contest. They said, sorry, no professionals. Look at I this don't know. Guy. That's fitting that on April Fool's Day, this man would make his debut in the squared circle here in the World Wrestling Federation. Mankind. Wow. Yeah, and he debuts the mandible claw, which I guess Bob Holly had an Alka-Seltzer in his mouth or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but because um, he starts foaming at the mouth. But that's a the commentary is really putting over that that move and how devastating it is and how it's like a nerve hole that he puts him out with. And one thing I love about Mankind is that he had entrance music and different exit music. Yes, it, it's so cool. Um, I remember even on the video games, like uh, the, one of the very first one, like WWF. Uh, was it Attitude on the PlayStation? Yeah. He yeah. still he had the different entrance and the exit music. I remember that. So And he kept that's, that going that's a for cool a long touch. time. Yeah, it was a cool touch. Like the that uh once he wins, that music's supposed to like calm him down after yeah. this psychotic state that he's been in during the match. Just a great character touch on there. Uh, did you notice that he kind of does the manable claw a little bit differently in these opening matches too? Yeah. He like comes from behind and like hooks him from behind in there as opposed to when he would use the uh, Mr. Sacco and just go straight at him. I, yeah. I, I didn't remember that, but I definitely noticed he, he's doing the move a little bit differently here in these early days. Yeah, you know, we're seeing, you know, we'll see, start seeing his evolution as well as we continue on throughout the next several years of Undertaker's run, too. Uh, but at the end of this uh, episode of Raw, as you mentioned, this is a Raw after WrestleMania, and this was, it wasn't as big of a deal back then as it is now. Right. Um, but it is kind of a reboot, like you said, and yeah. we have... Um, the main event is Undertaker versus Justin Hawk Bradshaw, uh, future JBL, future ministry member, future acolyte. So he'll tie in with the Undertaker again. This is not the first or last time we'll see him. Definitely. Another uh, guy that's going to be a part of this new blood in there that we're going to see many, many times over the next few years. Yeah. Well, Undertaker beats him with clean with the tombstone, and then Mankind uh, comes in and and beats him up afterward. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He doesn't. He, he hits the tombstones going to pin him. That's yeah. right. And this man kind of interferes. I apologize. Yeah, my bad. They're protecting yeah. Justin Hawk Bradshaw, yeah. I guess. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so money signs. <laughs> Maybe so. Money signs. I mean, it's just funny to see him, like, with the long ponytail and the cowboy boots and the red yeah. tights. Man, it's just... Uh, you, that's a guy who just had one of the craziest makeovers you'll ever see uh, in the WWE. Oh, yeah. Thank God, Maggle. Um, <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, Mankind comes in, interferes, beats Undertaker up, throws him into the stairs, and then he hits the, the Cactus Jack elbow drop yes. off the apron, which uh, the camera shoots it perfect, too. It's right down on the floor behind Undertaker, and you see Cactus, or, excuse me, Mankind jump off of the apron and do an elbow drop. I don't know, eight feet out into the into the rampway, and that's that was one of his signature moves as Cactus Jack character back in WCW and in Japan. Um, and I guess that's what Vince didn't get. But right here, it's the way they shoot it. Production is awesome. It was. Uh, he lays this, and, and, and he's laying Undertaker out again. I mentioned a few episodes ago how Undertaker's becoming more human. We'll see some more supernatural stuff, but he's definitely becoming more um, vulnerable. You know, to of his opponents yeah i mean the show goes off the air with man with mankind on top of the undertaker like usually Mm -hmm. you know we've seen undertaker get beat up and sell these big beatings before that's not anything new but usually right and i think i don't think we've ever seen like the show go off the air with the undertaker not rising up somehow like he's stumbled towards the back or even when he lost the casket match to yokozuna he ascended to the heavens to be with the angels uh the man who walks with the angels but on this the show goes off the air and the undertaker is down and yeah uh, mankind is the first person to do that and in one night in one hour we've got a star on our hands mankind Mm -hmm. is made up to be huge i mean that is how you make a new superstar right there um and undertaker sells that beating into the show the opening of the show, the closing of the show. Yep. You know, he's, that's awesome. He's a big deal right off the bat, and Undertaker sells that beating for uh, almost a month. I don't think we see him on Raw again yeah. for another month. So, yeah, I mean, I guess if Vince hated Mick Foley that much, he was just like, <laughs> okay, JR, we're going to put this ball in your court and see what happens. So, yeah. you know, good on JR for making this happen. Absolutely. Because it definitely worked. You know, like you said, in, in an hour, Mankind was over as a huge star. You know, sometimes stars nowadays debut and it's like a fart in church, man. Exactly. Like Tensai, 
Lord Tensai. That was awful. But this is how you make a star in a night. The so. complete opposite of that. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. The complete opposite of, of Matt Bloom's Lord Tensai reintroduction to the WWE universe. So, anyway. Uh, yeah, I think, like, about three weeks later on Raw, they just kind of recap what happened with The Undertaker. Uh, this is on April 22nd. And uh, Mankind beats Aldo Montoya. Um, just incredible, for those of you who don't know. Uh, Goldust is an Intercontinental Champ, and he's feuding with the Ultimate Warrior. They're going to have a match at In Your House 6, Goldust and Ultimate Warrior. Um, but, um, for, and he, but, like, so this is three weeks later, but there's no, there's just a mention of The Undertaker. Uh, it's just kind of showing, you know, Mankind and Goldust still being built up. And this also goes to show how, as we continue to talk about the build to this match of Goldust versus Undertaker, there's not much build. Um, there's just there's really not much built, and I right. think it comes from the fact that Razor Ramon had left. That was who Goldust was supposed mm-hmm. to be feuding with, and mm-hmm. um, they're just kind of have it in, in a holding pattern. You know, like you said, getting these three guys over this, the Undertaker, uh, Goldust, and Mankind all at once, kind of intertwining their their stories here as they go through the next few pay per views. And uh, on that, I, I did look up on the house shows, you know, just see what Undertaker was up to while not on TV and. Uh, during this month, he kind of just keeps going back and forth with Goldust, Diesel, and uh, Owen Hart even on a couple shows. Uh, Undertaker goes up against. Yeah. And uh, he did actually compete at the uh, – in your it's actually In Your House 7. We've been saying it wrong. In Your House 7 uh, was the April 1, uh, Good Friends, Better Enemies. He w- he did wrestle Mankind in the main event in the dark match uh, on that show. So yeah. uh, we do see them. We don't see it. Um, but he did defeat Mankind, and actually that match is on the Attitude Era unreleased uh, DVD and Blu-ray that came out uh, a couple years oh, ago. Sweet. So you can go back and watch that if you've got that DVD, but uh, obviously it was never mentioned on TV or anything like that. And uh, another just interesting one uh, they had during this time, the Kuwaiti Cup tournament mm. over in Kuwait, <laughs> and Undertaker made it to the semifinals, in there, but ended up losing in the semifinals to, of all people, any guesses? 1996, April 96, who he might have lost Ahmed to? Ahmed Johnson? No, Ahmed was in that tournament, but actually lost to Triple H, of all people, uh, due to DQ wow. after Triple H. Triple H tried to bring a chair into the ring, but Undertaker ended up using it, and the referee saw Undertaker using it. So mm. uh, Triple H goes over on The Undertaker, even back in April 96. Wow. <laughs> How about was any of that on TV or is that just? Uh, I think they showed like the finals. And stuff? I think they showed the finals on TV, but the rest of it was okay. just uh, just for the house shows. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Yeah. That's interesting. Just a little side no note idea. in there before uh, um, he comes back to TV. Uh, well, right. did you have anything for uh, May, or April 29th? Anything on that one? Yeah, April 29th. Uh, there's a mankind interview. And he says he's going to take care of Undertaker whenever and wherever. And he calls him a gutless fool, which I thought is a bold statement for um, a character. Yeah, it's really, you know, Mankind, that character's being pushed out the gate just hard, you know, as a heel. Um, Not a cool heel, but he calls Undertaker a gutless fool. That I just thought was neat, you know. Again, we're not building that match yet. We're building Goldust and Undertaker, but simultaneously we're building two feuds at once, basically. Right. Um, Or Goldust, you know, Razor Ramon left. (laughs) That's what he's left with. It it, it really feels like that on these Raws. There's a lot happening, like, yeah, uh, it's all over the place. A lot of different people feuding in, in like multiple feuds, and, and it feels like they're kind of rewriting these shows as they mm-hmm. go along here because there's so many changes going on. Oh yeah, um, and oh, that's yeah. what like the May sixth Raw kind of felt like. I mean, the main event of the show is <laughs> yeah. Owen Hart versus The Undertaker, which that's I mean that's random enough already, but they just kind of set Goldust is out on commentary for Undertaker's match, and Vince McMahon says, uh, we've been excited to, uh, to find out about the stipulation for your match with The Undertaker. And I was sitting there watching, like, what match with The Undertaker? <laughs> yeah. like, when have we even talked exactly. about this? Uh, uh, but exactly. Goldust is killing me here on commentary with his all-gold headset. <laughs> Dude, it's great. Great touch it's right there. Great. It's so good. I know. But, yeah, they talk about, you know, we're... we're uh, We've been told that the match at the In Your House is going to be called a casket match, and Goldust basically says no, and he gets up to leave. Yeah, he freaks um, out. He's like doing yeah. his Goldust, like seducing Vince McMahon, and then all of a sudden he finds out it's a <laughs> casket match, and he becomes Dustin Rhodes all over again. Exactly. <laughs> like loses his yeah. character, loses his mind. 
tries to leave. That was pretty funny. It's gonna be Cascade Magic. And going to the Super Sits here again. It's really been upset. Leave did you alone. see? Did you see him sitting out here with us? Yeah, watching him like touch Vince McMahon, his boss next to him, you know, it's just it's hilarious. But um, he goes out and Undertaker beats Owen Hart, but Goldust is kind of on the outside. And uh, as Goldust is going to leave, Paul Bearer pushes out a gold casket with uh, Goldust star and logo on top of it. So I was like, how convenient they just had that oh, yeah. backstage as we announced that they're going to have a match together. So. Do you think they have caskets? Paul Bear has a casket made up for every superstar, depending on who they might face at any given moment. Travels around with them. <laughs> Probably. He must be. Hey, they have extra uh, truck, production truck, just for <laughs> caskets. <laughs> well, I like that on commentary. For, Goldust stays around on commentary for this match, and Vince is just teasing Goldust the whole time. Like He tells him that it's going to be an airtight and watertight casket. Mm-hmm. So, in case... Uh, Undertaker decides to dump it off the bridge or something like that after the match is over. I don't know why he told him it was watertight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. oh man. But yeah, there's so many good things with Goldust coming up too. I mean, he wow. was man, he's in character all except for when he when he turns into Dustin Rhodes and freaks out about the casket. Well, so. yeah, Vince says on commentary he says Goldust is a great actor, so he's saying yeah, yeah. He's, he's probably not really even that scared about it, and so Goldust. He starts acting more like himself. Like you said, Paul Bear rolls the casket out and Goldust or Paul Bear kinda bumps into Goldust with it and then Goldust starts to seduce Paul Bearer. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you talk about masters of visuals and facial expressions and saying anything those without guys. using any words. Those two guys, exactly. Yeah. Goldust <laughs> is playing with his tie and starts unbuttoning Paul Bear's shirt and Jerry Lawler says that Goldust must be a chubby chaser now. <laughs> Lawler has so many lines, and so does JR. Oh, in yeah. The actual match, we get to it, that they would be cut off of television today <laughs> if they said these. Or USA would fi- have them fired or something. Oh, there's so many things. Well, this whole storyline. I mean, yeah, really. It's very homoerotic coming up soon, guys. Yeah. Um,. And the crowd, I think it's the next Raw. Are we ready to move on to next week's Raw? Well, I just want just wrap that up. You know, Goldust is teasing Paul Bear, and then (laughs) it's on commentary that he he goosed Paul Bear, and Paul Bear like runs away (laughs) holding his backside like Goldust. Yeah, (laughs) squeezes behind. Squeezes butt. His facial expressions are just priceless. Uh, and then Goldust starts going after Owen Hart outside the ring. So he's really just playing yeah. mind games with everybody. Before Undertaker, he finished Owen Hart with a jumping tombstone. Oh, he like yeah. jumped up in the air and hit it, like kind of like Okada in that uh, Wrestle exactly. Kingdom match. Um, but yeah, just a lot of stuff happening here. Um, I think I got a little bit of that out of order. But anyway, oh, yeah, it does. just yeah, just. It I doesn't mean, matter. It was There's too uh, much stuff to talk about. <laughs> yeah, you can go on to the I'll next. I'll recommend week. You, you listeners go back and watch those. Episodes it's something of, else. Overall building up to this, it's it's yeah. It makes you in 2018. I guess it's 2018 now. In 2018, it makes you go, oh my, like, <laughs> this really on TV. So yeah, yeah. He he squeezes his own heart's butt too when he puts him back in yeah. the ring right before Baker gets in the tombstone, and Owen just kind of looks at him like, Are you serious? So probably like. And the actual Owen Hart, not yeah. the character Owen Hart. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, on the next week, on May 13th, um, there's a, um, oh, excuse me, uh, there's a, uh, uh, Paul Baron and Undertaker come out again with the gold casket. And for those of you who don't know, they used to film Raw, like, back to back to back to back back then. So, if you do watch these, you'll see the same crowd, <laughs> same city, uh, same outfits for everybody so yeah. that's why they use this gold casket so much in the next few weeks i think they're just like well crap we got four weeks of raw to shoot for the paper let's just use undertaker and gold dust together so anyway whatever but they bring that casket out again um which the crowd had probably just seen 40 minutes ago they bring right. it out again and uh they do an interview in the ring with vince mcmahon um and uh, it's just generic you know you're going to pay, all this kind of stuff. Did you write anything down from what they said? Just like what you were saying earlier, the puns are just kind of on fire here. Um, Undertaker says, Goldust loves to be in the spotlight, but he's about to cross into the dark side. Um, (laughs) the, The King said on commentary that this might turn into the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and I thought... Yeah. 
I thought he meant just because like all these weird things were gonna start happening, but he said because people on the outside might start getting involved, just like they do at on the at the Rocky Horror Picture Show screenings. And I was like, that's the weirdest comparison. Yeah, you could have even come up with. That's not what he meant. But um, <laughs> he meant cross-dressing people and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part but, was uh, Vince McMahon asking Undertaker what he thought of the bizarre antics of Goldust, and mm. Undertaker says. Bizarre? You're you're asking me about bizarre, exactly. and that I thought that was a great line by Undertaker as Goldust yeah. starts to make his way out to the ring, and uh, he quotes the movie Tombstone to start off with, which appropriate. So you know? good, yeah, yeah perfect. awesome. I love that he did that. Yeah, he's like he says whatever the quote is and says Tombstone, 1993. Yeah, it's like this is great. And then it just gets very oh man homoerotic from here, man. He's yeah, he's saying things, and I don't even I don't even want to repeat them, but he's saying stuff. And He asked him what he kind asked, of cologne is he wearing, embalming fluid number five? <laughs> yeah, who does say? Um, and he got, I don't know how Nigger didn't laugh at that. I would have. He uh, uh, quotes one of your favorite movies, one of your favorite he movie lines. Yeah, he, he looks Undertaker in the eye, and he, he quotes the Joker from the original Batman. You know something, that coffin right there? You can lay me in at any time because you know what? There will be no resting for him. No, there won't. I've never danced with the devil in the pale moonlight, but I'll try anything once. And he says, I've never danced with the devil in the pale moonlight, but I'll try anything once. So that Jack Nicholson quote is one of my favorites of all time, and I love seeing Goldust say it here. I was I popped huge. Oh, as me a too. Nerd I did too. Boy of both of these. Yeah, this was my uh, my mark for Batman and wrestling converging into one big giant pop for me. So it was awesome. I knew you'd be excited for that. Yeah, <laughs> and then he goes and grabs Undertaker's hand and like. Well, I guess he's trying to dance with him. He grabs yeah, both his exactly. hands yeah. and I'll try once. Yeah. So he goes to grab his hands like to dance, and it almost becomes a test of strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, Undertaker just kind of snaps and, and knocks him down to the ground. And, uh, Man, I miss the uh, test of strength. We don't see that in wrestling oh, anymore. Oh. Me and you, we always use it in our backyard Cl- matches. But yeah, we I always did. Yeah, absolutely. We saw the cruiserweight classic a few times. That's like, true. A year and a half ago. But other than that, yeah, nobody does it anymore. But here, Undertaker is doing it and uh, kind of has Goldust reeling down, and then Mankind again comes from the back, and like you said, kind of reaches around, and puts the mandible claw on him. Um, did you notice his hands? Him- Mankind's um, hands, they were all like red and like up. scratched. Yeah, what happened? I have no idea what happened in between last episode and this one. He yeah. must have been backstage punching something. So, because it's taped on the same night, so yeah. I don't know what happened. I don't know. Yeah, his hands are all red and like taped up and bloody looking. It's, it's weird. weird. But he does the minimal claw and Undertaker. I think he bubbles out the mouth like the Alka Seltzer as well. Mm-hmm. Here, I can't remember, but mm-hmm. I know he did the first time. And then. And things get weird. Yeah, this is where it gets weird, man. And, you know, they talked about this on the Something to Wrestle episode that a lot of this stuff just does not age well. And, I mean, that's just very right. that's very true. You can't argue it. I mean, Goldust is iconic. He is memorable. But iconic does not always mean good. You know, the gobbledygooker is iconic, too. But it's not, like, a great moment in wrestling history. Right. But we all remember it. <laughs> And the Shockmaster. The Shockmaster, iconic. iconic, but not great. And Goldust, right. you know, I think the the fact that all the stuff he did later on, like into the 2000s and his run with Booker T and all these comebacks that he's made over the years, that's what's really truly made him a legend and Hall of Famer. Sure. This stuff, you know, it was pushing the boundaries and it was memorable, but gosh, it does not age well. And it's really, I wanted to say, you know, it's not so much the homosexuality of it, in my opinion. It's just the sexuality of it in general. Right. Like, if it was a woman, if it was Marlena doing this, it would still be really weird and uncomfortable, I feel like. You know, the, I feel I just don't like that in wrestling so much. You know, right. it just pushes it too much. Like, I was embarrassed to be watching this with my wife in the house. <laughs> like, it made me uncomfortable, and I don't want to feel like that when I'm watching wrestling. And, and I feel like, you know, whether it was Goldust or whether it would have been uh, a woman doing it, it just would have been awkward and just not what wrestling is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about guys fighting each other and fighting over something, pride or a belt or something. 
And, you know, I get that Goldust is trying to do mind games and everything, and that's his whole character, but, yeah, I don't, I just, mm, this is, it's too much. And it's it's great to push the boundaries, but sometimes you do push it too far when you're doing these sort of things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I'm glad you pointed out, because, yeah, if Marlena would have done this stuff, because basically, listeners, if you haven't seen it, he's basically, he straddles Undertaker, and he starts gyrating like Val Venus would come a few years from now, and then he he lays on him. Mm -hmm. Uh, And... The WWE Network version cuts away, but he actually licks Undertaker's leg. Yeah. Um, they said on the Bruce Pritchard podcast, it cuts that out on the WWE Network version, but he actually licks him, and the camera cuts away. Um, but he's been he's laying on him for a good minute or so. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of time. It felt like three hours. <laughs> he was just laying on him and straddling him and touching him. And uh, as he goes and licks him, and he, he kind of kind of goes to get off of him, then then Undertaker finally sits up and. Goldust turns to dust and runs and runs away. Yeah, again. but yeah, even if even if Terry or Marlena would have done that, it would have been uncomfortable to watch. Um, just for wrestling, wrestling is right. not it's different. And but. I will say, to be fair, you know, Goldust is doing that, and and he's creeping on Undertaker. When Undertaker sits up, the crowd pops huge. Like oh, yeah. they want to see Goldust get beat up, and you know, I guess you could say in a sense that. The, uh, the angle worked, you know, got the crowd yeah. reaction, but just going back and watching it, you know, it's just, it's not the proudest moment. Uh, you're not going to see that in a lot of video packages in 2018. Just, no. <laughs> you're probably not going to show that on the 25th anniversary of Raw. Not going to be proud of no, that. No, or we, whenever Dustin Runnels goes into the Hall of Fame, they're not going to show that. So. Yeah, not going to show <laughs> that segment. That but I do want to say, we reached out to somebody to ask them, uh, somebody who worked behind the scenes at this point, we reached out to... To Vince Russo, uh, I mentioned several episodes ago, he had called because I'd, I'd signed up for his, his uh, brand. And uh, check it out, everybody, if you if you have $4 a month. It's really worth it. Um, it's entertaining, even if you don't agree with half the stuff he says, like I don't. But um, it's fun, and we reached out to him on Twitter and just asked him if he had any insight to this because he was working behind the scenes at this point. And he just said, what do you say, bro? I don't remember anything from 22 years ago, but uh, – but he did say that he does remember that Undertaker was completely comfortable working with the Goldust angle. He didn't have any uh, any drawbacks about it. And I do remember them saying that on Bruce yeah. Richards' podcast as well, uh, that Taker was completely cool with it, which probably because he respected Dusty and Dustin in the same way. You know, um, That's probably why, but that's just us speculating. But anyway, thanks, Vince Russo, for a little, little bit of insight there. We'll see, we'll see what happens. But... Moving on, again, we're trying to get to this match, but there's a lot of weird stuff happening beforehand. So the next week on Raw, there's another interview, and uh, it's it's in the aisle way. JR is interviewing Paul Bear, and the gold casket's out there again. And uh, JR asks if he could talk to the Undertaker. And Paul Bear is like, oh, sure, it's right here. <laughs> I was hoping that we would be able to talk with the Undertaker, the Undertaker? this week. Is that going to be possible? Where's Goldust? He's here. Would you like to talk to him right now? Oh, like I see certainly would. You're not telling me he's in the casket. Huh? What do you think he is? He's talking about, you know, Sunday, you're going to be, this is where I'm going to leave you lying or something like that. But uh, in the middle of him giving his speech to JR, Mankind comes out. No, he's, yeah, he's talking about gold, gold dust on Sunday. I'm going to leave you lying here. Still your fate here. And uh, in the middle of that, Mankind interrupts and he, uh, he takes like a belt and ties Undertaker into the casket. Um, steals that they keep saying and then he, he goes to the back grabs this 10 foot hole and just beats the crap out of this gold dust uh this gold dust um casket just beats it and it's legitimately dented and then he knocks it over he just pushes it forward uh and knocks it over and undertaker's still inside they say you know he he dumps it on the concrete floor um and that's how this uh build up ends you know uh mankind kind of gets the last laugh on undertaker in the build-up to the gold Undertaker match, which yeah. is weird. So, and we see, I mean, up. he's going to play a big role in the match, yeah. too, not to spoil anything, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I told you earlier when we were talking, I, I didn't watch that episode of Raw. I, I didn't realize there was something I, I just forgot. I don't know. I, I, I missed it as I was going through the build-up to this, but I do remember that segment, as you're describing it. I remember him beating up ask the casket yeah. with the pole like that, as you described it. Uh, that was pretty memorable. And uh, obviously, I missed an important part of the build-up, so sorry no, as your host. Uh, but that's why we have two hosts. <laughs> but that brings us to the actual show. This is that we're talking about is Beware, beware of Dog, or In Your House, Beware of Dog. And uh, 
we want to talk just a brief second about it before um, we actually get to the match. Because if you guys don't know, it was May 26, 1996. It was in um, the Florence City Center in in, Fortis, or in Florence, South Carolina. And there was, what, six or eight, six matches on the card, and they got through two of them, I think. They got through the and opening, then, the free-for-all match, and then the opening match on the card, which was Triple H, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, and the wild man, uh, Marco Miro. Miro, yeah. And then the thunderstorms outside knocked all the power out, basically, and they kind of pushed on with the rest of the show. I know Steve yeah. Austin talks about he and Savio Vega having that strap match in the dark. In and, the dark. Uh, yeah, so, but anyway, long story short, they kind of do a redo. Uh, the next night, they, they film Monday Night Raw. Uh, I don't remember where that was, but then on, on May 28th, 96, they're in North Charleston Cup. Yeah, Charleston, South Carolina, and that was so. We're technically covering In Your House Beware of Dog Two here uh, on this episode because there's we don't have any footage of the original In Your House Beware of Dog of their match, um, and yeah, you see that match. when you go back and watch it on the network. And I remember the Coliseum Home Video release was like this too. Uh, you get that opening match of Triple H and uh, Mark Miro, and then it cuts to the main event of the night, which is Shawn Michaels and the British Bulldog for the WWF Championship. Uh, so those two matches, and then we get the three matches that were redone uh, on the Tuesday right. night. Uh, and they aired live on pay-per-view uh, as part of the replay. And uh, just to take you back to the uh, the kids' corner, uh, I, I do have a story about this pay-per-view. Yes. I remember being at my grandmother's house in Bristol, Tennessee. Uh, my dad's mom, we were there. Uh, must have been just like the beginning of summer. Man, we must have just got away right after school ended. Uh, to go visit her, and I remember being, uh, I remember watching the free for all match, which used to come on the preview channel. Uh, for those of you who don't remember, out there before oh. there were guides on the guide button on your cable uh, remote, there used to be just a channel you had to watch to go through and see what was on TV that night. And they would have half of the screen would be the channels going through, and then the other half would be like uh, a window that would show shows on there. And the WWF used to show the 30-minute preview, like they do on YouTube now. They used to show it on the preview channel. So there was some match that on that. free-for-all? The free-for-all. That they call it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, then I did another thing that kids today have no idea about. I went up to the pay-per-view channels and tried to watch the show through the scramble vision. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> some, sometimes, some houses, you could get sort of a semi-clear version of the pay-per-view channel. Like, it would be kind of discolored, but you could kind of see what was going on or hear it, at least. And for some reason, at her house, it was, like, pretty high-quality scramble vision on the pay-per-view. Wow. Like, I could hear the commentary crystal clear, and the picture was messed up, but I could see enough of what was happening. So I remember watching that first match, Triple H and Mark Marrow, uh, and I was playing with my action figures because it you know, just kind of, you could kind of hear what was going on, but you couldn't really see it. And I was 10, yeah. Uh, but I was a hardcore fan, you know. Uh, but I remember it going out and be like, why don't, what is happening? Why aren't they showing these other matches? And it was because of this storm. Uh, the storm yeah. knocked out the power. And while it was happening, uh, they did do this match, Gold Dust against The Undertaker for the Intercontinental Championship in a casket match. And at the original one, Gold Dust ended up winning the casket match. When uh, Steve Austin, uh, Vader, Justin Bradshaw, and Isaac Yankum came out and attacked The Undertaker and helped Goldust put him in the casket, uh, which is not the finish we see at the In Your House Beware of Dog 2. And uh, there's another great Something to Wrestle episode that talk about, talks about this specific pay-per-view, and it talks about them yeah. wanting to save this big finish uh, for when they could actually use it on TV. So they called it Audible last second and switched it to that finish of having some of these other heels come out and help Goldust win because they have a pretty unique, pretty special finish uh, that they actually use once they can actually air it on TV here on May 28th, 1996. Yeah, well, that's cool, man. I didn't realize you had seen this show, or Scramble Vision this I did, show. yeah, and I had it on that's Coliseum awesome. Video, too. Yeah, <laughs> and your scramble vision goes out because yeah. the power goes out. So yeah. That's hilarious. But this is um fun fact for you. This is the only – my sources are correct. This is the <laughs> only WWF pay-per-view live from South Carolina. Ever. Yeah, they never went that's back. I, yeah, <laughs> I don't blame them. Uh, anyway. Um, Another so – go ahead. Go ahead. 
I'm going to say a really cool thing is we get JR and Mr. Perfect on commentary for night two. I think night one was uh, Vince and Lawler. Yeah. Um, they put in Jerry, uh, not Jerry, Jim Ross and Mr. Perfect, and it is so good to hear Jim Ross on commentary, man. So he makes this match so much more enjoyable. I feel like if it were Vince and Lawler, it would have been, I wouldn't have enjoyed as much, but just hearing him and how much he puts over the competitors and, and, the stuff they do, the way he calls it, he's just, golly, he's so good. I didn't realize how much I missed him for the last <laughs> five years of Undertaker matches until we got him now. So. It is uh, a breath man. of fresh, fresh air. It is kind of, it's a weird combo with Jim Ross and Mr. Perfect on there. Yeah. That I think might be the only time we'll ever hear that on here. Um, but I, I do have something to say about Jim Ross and Vince Man, but I, I'm going to hold that to the end. Uh, something I wanted to bring up with that. Um, but you okay. mentioned that because Jim Ross was great, but there was one thing that uh, I feel like Vince McMahon would have done better with. But we'll get to that here later on. Um, and I do want to say before we jump into the match that this pay-per-view also had the final WWF appearance of the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Uh, yeah. Who was, of course, one of the pivotal characters in the first few years of The Undertaker, bringing him in and debuting him back at Survivor Series 90. And then... You know, having a very long extended feud with him and his million dollar corporation that we've covered back in the archives. So uh, just kind of another changing of the guard that we see here in the middle of 1996. Yeah, he'll leave for WCW. Uh, Kevin Nash is already gone. Scott Hall's already gone. One, two, three kids already gone. So yeah, a lot of folks leaving for where the big boys play. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess at this point, no, NWO hasn't debuted yet, but... Hall and Nash have on WCW television, I believe. Or yeah, because no, I think Scott Hall has. The uh, so. April in your house would be the last appearance for both those guys. Uh, yeah, on, on a pay per view yeah. at least. Um, so, so yeah, here we go. In your house, uh, beware of dog. We get with the because of the way that they had to splice together both shows. Um, you get the golden caskets already against the ring when the match is starting. So they have the golden casket pushed up against the ring and. If you've never seen this match, you're like, well, that's weird. But as the match progresses, you'll see why they do that. It's a it's a gimmick uh, casket here. So Goldust comes out first, and this is um, the first ever casket match for a title. That's a little ah, fun fact they put over on commentary. Yeah. Oh wait, that's um, not that's not right though, because the uh, the one at Royal Rumble was for the WWF Championship. I mean, I'm sorry for the Intercontinental title. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Title. The Undertaker's um, first yeah, time right. going for that title, too, that we've seen, yeah. I think. And it looks awesome as gold, too. Yeah. Goldust has his gold belt, too. It looks really cool. So, But then Mr. Perfect says that Goldust has a chance to be the first guy to beat the Undertaker in a casket match. And JR just kind of dismisses him. He's like, I don't think so, Tim. Also, if Goldust wins this match, he'll make history here. First man ever to beat the Undertaker in a casket match. Well, I don't know about that. But... Mr. Yeah. Perfect, man. Uh, he wasn't around much during that time. He doesn't know his history. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he just dismisses it kind of. And good pop for the Undertaker when you hear his music and the lights go out. And we're kind of waiting for him to appear in the hallway. And the lights come back on. And he is already in the ring behind Goldust, which is really cool. So, is that the first time we've seen him in a match? Yeah. I think we've seen it on call. We haven't seen it in a match yet. It's the first time, right? Yeah, the Undertaker, the, the lights go out for his entrance, obviously. Uh, Jim Ross on commentary says uh, the lights are out on purpose this time, hopefully. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, they come up in the middle of his entrance, which is so uh, yeah. so unexpected. And it's because it's he's standing there in the ring behind Goldust. Uh, and I guess he was in the casket. Uh, that, that was my guess. Um yeah, how he got out so. there. He came out in the casket that time, and uh, so they used the casket for a couple different things in this match. Uh, like you said, the casket's already out there, so I guess he rolled out of that. And man, it is all Undertaker to begin with. Man, he is just oh, dominating yeah. this, uh, tossing Goldust around on top of the casket, into the steps, into the post, body slam, elbow, old school, just all sorts of stuff. Uh, just getting Undertaker pats in, in the control. back from uh, folks in the. Front row, <laughs> yeah. guys like Bobby Budnick from uh, Salute Your Shorts. There's like five guys like Bobby Budnick in the front row, and they're all slapping him on the back. I mean, there's a lot of people in the '90s yeah. that looked like that, though. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah man. Both of us is getting the, the poo knocked out of him here from Undertaker to begin with. You're right. Keep going, man. Uh, speaking of fans, just uh, I was gonna point this out on the Raws too, but you know, one thing I've noticed going back through these is that. There weren't a lot of signs at these shows back then, uh, but 
at almost every show, there are people with Undertaker signs. There, there yeah. are not a lot of signs in the crowd. We don't start seeing that till the late 90s and the peak of the Attitude Era where like there were signs everywhere. But in these days, uh, there were few and far between, but it seems like there's always uh, at least a couple Undertaker ones in the crowd. And yeah. has, you see that on these Raws and on this pay-per-view too. So that just, again, shows you his star power and uh, his his presence uh, in the in the in the eyes of the fans back then. Oh yeah, very astute observation there. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Uh, and as very true, I've heard Jim Cornette say, you know, you can't uh, you can't make anybody make a sign. Like that shows you who's right. over because the fan goes yep. out and buys the cardboard, buys the marker, and makes the sign themselves. Like you can get anybody can cheer. That doesn't cost anything. But if someone is going out and paying money to go support somebody, that shows you who's over. And Undertaker exactly. is. I mean, he's over. You can't deny that. Yep, that's a very good point from Mr. Cornette. So <clears throat> very good. Um, well, back to the match though. Like you said, um, Taker's pretty much in control. But then, um, so out of nowhere, I, after the old school, Gold does hits a body slam on him, and then uh, Undertaker sits up and he's kind of in control again. And then out of nowhere, Gold does hits a tombstone. What? Gold does picks up, well because they do they do the spot where they Gold does bounces off the ropes and usually he falls down on his back and he hits the the throat thrust to the guy, which is a great spot. I love it. And Cody Rhodes even began doing it in his later years. Um, but when they go to do it here. I don't know. Somebody this time that <laughs> miscommunicated because it was off so bad. Yeah. And Goldust goes to hit it, and Undertaker's head's already up, and they don't connect at all. And so then I don't know if they just called an audible, and he got up and just tombstone Undertaker, though. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad strange. you caught that, too. Watch a mania, yeah. like all over the place yeah. here. I think actually it's Undertaker's fault. You know, we're not wrestlers. It's hard for me to say, but it looks like Undertaker sells it too early, and he pops right. his head up before Under- Goldust has even done the uppercut so i kind of think it was undertaker's fault and then like you said they fumble around and is this the first time we've seen someone do a tombstone to the undertaker that that we've that we've recorded here yeah talking to yeah i believe so it's the first pay-per-view but out of nowhere no one cared no one one cared cared. the audience did not care they didn't care no that was why it was just dead silent are you kidding me like he's yeah because gold does his big guy but he's not a he's not diesel he's not yokozuna you know but I was like, why does the crowd not care? I don't know if it's gold dust they don't care about or what. But well, they yeah. didn't build. That's like a huge spot, and it just he just does it. Like they, I don't yeah. know what the deal with that was. Uh, and it's yeah. it's huge. It's a massive event in the timeline of the Undertaker, and it's just meaningless. Oh, <laughs> it's so yeah, weird. It really is. Uh, but he does. But he, he sits up. There's rest in peace chance after that. Yeah. Um, but it, it does kind of give Goldust the chance to take over, take control. Yeah. He hits a, He rolls him into the casket for the first time, but Undertaker fights out of it, and there's just Look like casket cam. Casket cam is back. It is back uh, in force. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, I just wrote this match has no flow to it. It's, it's not no. pretty. Uh, there's just there's just there's no story being told here. You know, um, yeah. it just it's just weird. Goldust, I think, is a better worker now than he was back then, and he's you know. Uh, yeah. 50 years old almost pushing it i don't well, i don't know exactly how old he is but it's just crazy he's i think he's 47 and 48 right now um but yeah i, I mean and i think it goes to all the build-up we had talking about this match in the you know the past 20 minutes of this episode is it's been mostly about mankind undertaker gold us just a pawn in the you know in the plan that's a good point. uh and so i think that's part of the reason you know yeah. i think if mankind would a tombstone undertaker here boom i think the crowd would have cared yeah uh because he was already over um, not that Goldust isn't, but he is a, he's just a you know he's just a part of this puzzle here. Um, so I don't know. Anyway, and I don't know if it, maybe it's the night like they are they did this match already uh, on right. Sunday and maybe they're just kind of going through the motions on this one. But sure. yeah, it's just kind of lifeless. Uh, even I wrote Paul Bear and Marlena are kind of lifeless. And usually Paul Bear you know is putting on a show on the outside and he just doesn't seem into it either. It's just like yeah. a weird vibe uh, for this match. Um, but yeah. Uh, just kind of continuing through it, Goldust locks in a sleeper hold uh, for a long time. He uh, gets Undertaker into the casket again and, and tries to slam the lid, but Undertaker just barely gets his arm out, which is a cool mm-hmm. kind of near fall in here. And at this point, JR Undertaker calls the coffin. Oh, he does that? call the coffin. I did catch. He calls that. the coffin a couple times. Yeah. Um, like, no, it's a casket. It's a casket <laughs> match. Clearly. Um, yeah. Come on. 
Undertaker picked up the casket lid and, and threw Goldust out of the ring, but he picked it up so hard he, he broke the lid on the casket again. <laughs> he rips the lid off gimmick casket, yeah. I was like, whoops. So. Uh, but it does look nice and cozy in there. Yeah, you know, Undertaker's all about comfort on his caskets. <laughs> yeah, once you rest in peace, you know? <laughs> exactly. So, but yeah, he rips the, the lid off on accident, then he goes and grabs a chair and tries mm-hmm. to use it on Goldust, so I thought that was good, but at this point, I, I just commented that commentary is putting over both guys. Yeah, they're, they're not. They really are. Like that's one thing about Jr. He will put over because you got to put the, the guy who's going to lose over because you want to beat somebody. You know, right. he wants to look at, like you beat somebody. So yeah, he's putting Goldust over here. His his size, his weight, his athletic ability, uh, his mind games, everything, um, and obviously Undertaker as well, causing the phenomenal, the phenom, all that all that stuff we're used to. But um. It, they're back in the ring, and Goldust hits a diving clothesline, and then he goes for a pin. <laughs> he <laughs> yeah. lands on top of him. He counts, he counts the pin, too. Yep. <laughs> yeah. oh, I that's can't. So... That spot is always just so, so dumb. Yeah. It makes makes Goldust look stupid. I don't know why they do that. Yeah. Um, he does all cool, doesn't he? Next. Yeah, that was kind of cool, too. He, he goes for the old school. I don't think we've seen anybody do that, either. So Goldust uh, is doing... Something that we see all the time now with people doing each other's signature moves, but really didn't see back then. Uh, he goes for the Undertaker's right. old school, uh, but he can't get this one. Undertaker drags him down, and there was actually there was a big pop for that one. Uh, I yeah. think because they actually sold it more. I mean, he just pulled that exactly. tombstone out of nowhere. Felt like it should have yeah. been the other way around, uh, but yeah. Exactly. Uh, the crowd pops big for that. Undertaker uh, slashes his throat, signals it's over, gives him the tombstone right beside the casket. And uh, as he asked for the casket lid to be opened up, all of a sudden, Mankind pops out. Um, <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Crazy finish right there. Uh, it locks in the mandible claw. And this is, I think, the third or fourth time now that we've seen the mandible claw take the Undertaker down and put him yeah. totally out of the picture. And that is the most we've seen anybody get over on Undertaker. We've seen people get over on him maybe one time a piece but now mankind has done it three or four times and it's put mm-hmm. undertaker away and he slams the lid shut on undertaker crawls on top of the casket and gives gold dust the cheap win yep so yeah gold dust wins keeps his icy title uh, undertaker does not have gold around his waist once again and yeah mankind sits up there again it's you, you kind of saw it coming if you know how wrestling goes but it was really cool like um, to see, I'm yeah. sure to see for the first time. It was a great finish. Um, it was really cool, and I mean, I, I I still dig it now. It's really cool, and again, that mankind character is already over. Like you said, Taker's yeah. already selling for him. Super good. So, uh, I love where this is headed. The matches we're gonna get between oh, yeah. these two coming up on this podcast. Um, but yeah, Goldust went, and then smoke starts to billow out of the casket. Um, <laughs> Similar to dry ice, I guess. Rumble '94, <laughs> um, a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So it's white smoke Shades this time. That. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not gray or green or black, or whatever that was. It's it's white. <laughs> yeah. Um. And Paul Bear kind of looks. Around. I think I, I think he's waiting on his cue from the guys in the yeah. truck to like talk about what's going to happen. But the camera's already on him, so he finally opens the casket, and the Undertaker's gone. And now Paul Bear, like you said, he was kind of sleepwalking through the outside of the antics, but right here he wakes up. Yes. He gets big old eyes. He's he's selling it like where you know where'd you go and. He's looking around like he's gone, and um, you hear the gong hit, and I, I just wrote there, Baker's, uh, Baker, who's Baker, <laughs> Bearer, Paul Bearer, is selling uh, so good, and he just can't believe his eyes, and uh, the lights go out, and the music plays, the Undertaker music plays, and the pay-per-view fades to black. <laughs> pay-per-view just kind of ends right there. Yeah. Uh, and, man, this is what I'm talking about here. JR was awesome calling the match, putting these guys over, but... I feel like this little segment, this storyline aspect, the uh, uh, the craziness of the casket, dis- uh, the smoke coming out of it, Undertaker disappearing, I feel like that needed Vince McMahon to really put it over the top. I felt oh, like Jim yeah. Ross was kind of... Jim Ross is always great with the action in the ring and making it feel like a sport. I don't know... I mean... This might be blasphemous, but I don't know if Jim Ross's strong suit was always like the uh, this the craziness, the sports entertainment stuff. And right. you know, Vince McMahon would have just been over the top, just screaming, "Oh my God, what has happened to the Undertaker? We've never oh, seen yeah. anything like this. Uh, what could this mean?" Just like 
getting the rasp in his voice and everything. And the, yeah, the show just kind of ended here. And Jim Ross was like, "All right, folks, well, we'll see you next week on Monday Night Raw." Like, come on, yeah. man. I like Jim Ross is the greatest of all time, but I, I don't feel like he he nailed it on that. The call for the end of the show wasn't his strongest moment. Yeah, no, I agree. I didn't think pick it up. I'm glad you pointed it out, but yeah, I, I, I agree. Vince Man is is good for that. He definitely would have built up the storyline part of it, and yeah, would have gone over the top. And his voice would have gone like this. <laughs> exactly. So, that's what. <laughs> what am I doing? Uh, I think Jerry Seinfeld. But um, yeah. So I agree, man. That was good. Good point. Yeah. But it's an eight minute match. It feels longer than that. Oh, it's kind it did. Plotting and it's not, not going to get any five star reviews. Um, but it, it again, it's telling the story. It leads us to the next month with mankind and throughout the rest of the summer with mankind and gold dust. And you listeners are going to be being for the ride. <laughs> going to be sticking with these guys for a while. So again, we don't choose the matches. We're just going through every match in the pay cycle. So, well, we thank you for choosing us and choosing to listen to us. Uh, we appreciate your feedback. Uh, we've gotten so much of it, and and we just love it, man. We love. We would do this, like I said, we started this because we just love to talk about wrestling on our own, but uh, we just want to share that with the world, and it's just been such a fun ride to share that with everybody out there, all the fellow Undertaker fans and Creatures of the Night out there. So we thank you for listening, and uh, just to wrap up and give a final uh, final eulogy, if you will, for a couple of our previous mm. episodes, uh, we polled the people on our Twitter page uh, for what you thought of last week's matchup between the Bre- uh, between Diesel and Undertaker, I think we both gave it a thumbs up. Uh, on the poll, though, as um, so my Twitter is loading up here, we got a seventy-five uh, percent gave it thumbs up, twenty-five uh, percent gave that one a thumbs down. So, a little bit surprising wow. to me. Uh, we'll put the poll up for this week's matchup. Uh, give you the results, what you think of it. Uh, I think me personally, I'm a thumbs down on this week's matchup. Not one of the best. Undertaker matches yeah. I've ever seen, but uh, we want to hear your opinion. And Travis, I know you got some answers on our Twitter page at Talking Taker uh, from one of our uh, one of our favorite listeners out there. He comments and retweets us all the time. Uh, Randy Turco out there at uh, his Twitter handle is at Pokey's Little Dog, so uh, you can go follow him. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but uh, man, uh, tell the world uh, the uh, info he dropped on us. Oh, he just confirmed that several episodes ago I was talking about how I, I was pretty sure that the Undertaker's Phantom of the Opera mask was in the SmackDown mall of the WWF No Mercy video game. Uh, and I couldn't find any confirmation of it. I don't have my 64 at this point. You have it, but you have been in the process of moving, so you haven't had an opportunity to look at it. And so uh, this listener, Randy, he confirmed it for us. He indeed did. He sent us a, screen, a screenshot with an arrow pointed to it. I think it's like 500 bucks or something in the SmackDown <laughs> wall. It's way too expensive for what it is. It's 5000 uh, 5000 Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's way too overpriced. But yeah, he sent us a picture of that, and he said um, he, he put hashtag Twitterless Travis on there. I appreciate that, too. Um, yeah, he sent us a picture and said, you know, I'm not crazy. The Phantom Mask was in the SD Mall and No Mercy and part of that, and uh, yeah, so I, again, thank you to, to Randy, Pokey's little dog, uh, whatever that means. We appreciate that, man. <laughs> I knew I wasn't crazy, or I hoped I wasn't crazy. And uh, the Big D hoped he wasn't crazy as well. So thank you for confirming that we are not crazy and that we did remember that. And again, that is the best wrestling game of all time. Of all time, no yeah, doubt yeah, about no it. Worse. Um, and we uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we're maybe not the best wrestling podcast of all time, but uh, we, we think we're doing okay, and we appreciate you enjoying us and listening to us along the way. Uh, check us out on Twitter at Talking Taker with all your feedback on the Facebook page as well. Um, we post uh, stuff throughout the week, uh, building up to the match. We post your comments. Uh, I posted that picture from the SmackDown Mall on the Twitter page. So go check all that out, polls, all that good stuff. I'm on Twitter at Alex Dorio, or you can reach Twitterless Travis uh, with that hashtag. You can reach out to us with that. <laughs> go give us a like and a subscription over on your favorite podcast listening service, whether it's iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher. Uh, YouTube, Podomatic, all that good stuff. We post everything on there. And, yeah, just thanks for all the feedback and for listening. And go check out King of the Ring 1996 for next week's matchup. Go watch it. Let us know what your comments and thoughts are about it, and we'll give you all ours next Friday. Or, like I said, uh, we do post these late Thursday night uh, for subscribers. 
Uh, so if you subscribe to us, it'll be in your inbox there Thursday night, and then I'll post it on Twitter and Facebook for everybody else on Friday morning. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I got there, buddy. Yeah, yeah if you were there, and uh, beware of dog. If you were there for night one or night two, or if you have any two. stories about being caught in the in the darkness, uh, uh, let us know. You know, Always say that. Give us a shout-out. Let us know what happened. If you were there in South Carolina, let us know if you want to see another pay-per-view come back to South Carolina. <laughs> Apparently Vince McMahon hates you. Sorry, guys. Um, but, uh, yeah, and other than that, ladies and gentlemen, take your visa. Look at you, dead man. So tall. Ooh, so dark. So clammy and... So stiff. It's driving me crazy. What is that? What kind of cologne is that? Is that embalming fluid number five?